0: Yeah yeah! It's time to wake up <laughs> It's five and we're live Oh is this thing on? I don't care I want him to hear This is the pre-game show your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 the game
2: Yes, sir! Good morning, family. Steven Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game, leading up until 6 o'clock, as the morning roast will take you until 10, as always. Good morning, everybody. What'd I miss? I've been out for the past couple of days, but I am happy to be back. And, you know, there's a lot that I want to talk about today, and I want to get... Uh, the Pulse from you at 888 And this is going to be for a little later on in the show. But what was the overall consensus with the 49ers after that win over the Eagles. I do want to know, because I got some sound uh, from Mark Slarett that I want to play for you from yesterday. I did manage to catch up on the game. I, I caught it on Sunday, but then I ended up rewatching it again earlier on this week. And, you know, I do have some thoughts, and I understand that we're at... You know, the Wednesday portion of the show where, you know, during the week it's it's tough to, it's tough on Wednesday to still talk about that game because we're already three days removed from it. Nobody wants to hear about it anymore. But I do want to know what the overall consensus was as the 5 a.m. listener. So I want to know from you at 888-957-9570. But we'll talk about that later on in the show. We'll get to some football uh, later on. But last night, the Giants... I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they've been doing it. They have eleven games left in the year. They've moved to ninety-eight and fifty-three. And let's do this exercise yet again where we're gonna go Deadpool here and start from the beginning and just try our work our or start from the end and try our work our way back from the beginning. And this is how the game ended last night in the Giants six five win over the Padres. And instead it's a ground ball off a of belt. They get the He's out there. there. <laughs> throw the to
1: Unbelievable. Hey. Rodgers got over there to cover
2: the bag, and the ball game is over. Unbelievable. <laughs> they've, they've had that same reaction. I can count you maybe 15, 16 games where Mike Kruko at least weighs in with some sort of unbelievable or wow. Wow. Because that game last night, I don't know how that double play happened. For one, I mean they they had runners on first and second. Tyler Rogers is in the game. Uh, Jake McGee had the IL stint uh, or was put on the IL on Friday, and he's still on that IL. So, I mean they've been having to go with different options, and Tyler Rogers is that guy to come in the in the ninth inning, and in this game. I mean, he didn't make it any sort of easy to watch. Didn't make it any less torturous. First off, you get that uh, you get that error from Crawford after Tyler Rogers comes in, so you get the runner off base, and then he's going pitch for pitch with Fernando Tatis Jr. manages to strike him out. And then Jake Cronenworth gets on base. So you got runners on first and second. And then in comes Manny Machado. Now Manny Machado in this game hit two of... I, I don't know if I've seen two home runs that, are, that were as similar as the ones that he hit off Gosman Because that first home run was an absolute rocket. It was just a solo shot, thankfully, but it was a rocket. He just crushed it to left field. He turned on that fastball and got it into whatever, whatever you call it, the third, the third, is that the third deck, the third balcony, whatever you call it over there in San Diego. I don't even know what that is. I guess the the third story of that building in left field, but he crushed it there. Point is, it's a very far, it's very far, it's a very long way. But then he does it again later on in the game, and it's just, especially Manny Machado, a guy like him who, in the Bay Area, going back to his time, even with Baltimore and seeing his antics whenever him and Josh Donaldson would get into it. I'm sure if you're an A's fan, you remember when Manny Machado and Josh Donaldson would just continue to jaw at each other every time that the Orioles were playing the A's. And really, it was uh, Donaldson who looked like uh, who would always come out of that looking like the bigger man. But look, in this game yesterday, Machado was an absolute stud, and he was the final one to come to the plate in this game after they'd already reached on an error. He'd gotten past Fernando Tatis Jr., gave up the single, and then with one out, got the double play. But it just wasn't that normal double play. You know, it was the hardest double play supposedly to turn in sports, that 6-4-1, or excuse me, the 3-6-1 double play where Brandon Belt Bobbles the ball at first base, gets it to Crawford, then Crawford throws the strike to Rogers, and Rogers could barely <laughs> I thought he was gonna fall over. I really did. Has anyone ever done that? Has that has anyone that has that happened to anyone where you're playing catcher or maybe you're you know you're 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 warming up a pitch or something like that, and you might lose your balance when you're in the squat because a pitch might have surprised you or gone a little high and you had to stretch up and you ended up falling on your back, I mean, there was a strike that was thrown from Brandon Crawford to Tyler Rogers, and he almost fell over and then they managed to get the win, but this game, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take this in the playoffs. I don't know if I'm going to be able to take what we're most likely going to see, which is the starting pitching. With the way that it's been going, and the fact that Gosman had, you know, been your ace for so long, it looks like, you know, the fact that it's a marathon, not a sprint, with the 162 game season, it seems to have taken a toll on Kevin Gosman. And don't get me wrong; he's done. He, he's been so. Instrumental in getting these, these this Giants team to where they're at, you know. I mean, it, without Kevin Gosman, I, I don't know if they're ninety eight and fifty three on the season. I just don't. I don't know if they're in a place where they're supposed to be. But it looks like he is starting to to lose steam here and. After giving up these four earned runs yesterday, uh, he's just not locating the pitches the same way that he used to. That splitter uh, hasn't been right. And plus, guys have kind of gotten a read on it at that point. Um, You know, There were certain pitches yesterday where he was throwing some sliders that were meant for a right-hander to chase, and they just weren't doing it. So maybe he's becoming a little more predictable to the hitter. I I don't know really what's going on with him. But point being... During the playoffs, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take this kind of a game where the starting pitching gives up a ton of runs and we have to wait as the Giants just try and inch closer and closer with the lineup, which, if you don't believe by now, they are the type of team that could easily come back in a ball game. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to take it when the starting pitching gives up, you know, maybe four or five runs, and then you got to hope that the relievers that come in don't give up any, and they get a they get a hold whatever it is. I mean, Zach Lattell coming in yesterday, and you know, giving up the uh, uh, giving up the earned run there to just to, to give the uh, the Padres the lead. I mean, it's just it, it, it's it's going to be brutal if this is how it's going to go. But, hey, a win's a win. And plus... If Jace Tingler is going to continue to make mistakes in the way that he was making them uh, in this game, I would not be opposed to whoever the Giants are facing in the playoffs for their manager to make the same type of mistakes because in that game yesterday, he clearly left Joe Musgrove in way too long when Chris Bryant let off that, uh, uh, or excuse me, uh, yeah, Chris Bryant let off that inning, uh, the sixth inning with the double on an 0-2 count. Then Brandon Crawford comes, in, gets a double, scores him, then they end up tying the game, and then Mike Yastrzemski uh, hits a sack fly when he has a runner on third to give the Giants the lead, and at that point you'd figure, okay, maybe there's some sort of move that has to be made, and then Joe Musgrove walks Donovan Solano, and, and luckily they got out of it with the, uh, uh, with the whenever Tim Hill came in for Joe Musgrove, and they got out of the inning, but it was too late. It was too little, too late, and that's ultimately what lost these Padres the game. Not not only that, but also what the bullpen did as well. It, and anytime Camilo Doval comes in for the Giants bullpen, as I just transition to the Giants bullpen for a second, Camilo Doval, when he throws 102 miles an hour and he does it against Manny Machado, I just Stumbled upon this stat this morning, but it was the hardest pitch thrown since these uh, pitches started being tracked in 2008. It was the hardest pitch thrown since Brian Wilson threw one back in 2009. So we're seeing something with Camilo Doval uh, that we haven't seen in quite a while. And if he manages to get that location down, Doval is going to be uh, just an absolute stud. And he's going to be very important going forward. But another guy who is going to be super important as we move on with the season is Lamont Wade Jr. And Lamont Wade Jr., it feels like, comes through in the clutch moments any time that he gets an opportunity in the ninth inning jam shot and a base hit. Belt is coming home.
1: Do they have a play? They got him. No. No, he dropped it.
2: Belt is going to score. Wade comes through again in the ninth. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Seriously, there's like 15 or 20 highlights I could just grab for you where they're just saying, wow, as soon as everything's over, just because they've been doing something so uh, unexpected. But Lamont Wade Jr., yet again, It feels like since, what, that A's series, when he gave the the Giants the lead with that home run off of Lou Trevino, it feels like in the ninth inning, Lamont Wade is the most reliable hitter on this team right now. And, you know, without even just... We we talk about Lamont Wade so much, and the fact that he was traded for Sean Anderson, and he's the Farhan type of guy, and all those different things. But I also want to give... Uh, The front office, just a lot of credit for not sending him down. You know, there's been so many instances this season where, especially after the trade deadline, when Chris Bryant was made with the addition, you're thinking, all right, what's going to happen? How can we maneuver this lineup? Who's going to be playing in the outfield? Stephen Duggar, uh, he's been playing pretty well. Like, what are they going to have to do? How are they going to use their roster? How are they going to make room for Chris Bryant? But they never wavered on Lamont Wade, and I I don't know what the momentum would have been like for him had he been sent down. I I, I don't know, but it feels like they've just been giving him his, his fair shot the entirety of the season, and toward this back end here, this home stretch, this final month and a half, he's really come through in the clutch in some huge games. But let's not look past what is the elephant in the room, and that is the fact that uh, the Dodgers still continue to remain one game back. In the National League quest. <laughs> I don't know. Th- I thought something was going to be different because I was gone for the weekend and you know got back uh, uh, got back on late Monday night. If I would have come in on Tuesday morning, having to do the show, it would have not been a good one. But still, coming back and looking at the standings each and every day and seeing still that the Dodgers have not even lost a step and they just continue to 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 be the Jason Momoa where the giants are Henry Cavill if you know what that meme is where Henry Cavill is just taking a photo and posing in front of the paparazzi in front of the photo in front of the photographers and then Jason Momoa is creeping up behind him with that menacing look on his face the dodgers are right now are Jason Momoa and the giants are Henry Cavill 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 is it Cavill Cavill Whatever it is, triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. But I want to know from you it, when it comes to the playoffs for the Giants. It, what's your expectation now? Uh, where are you at as a Giants fan? At triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero, are you? Do you do you think that the Giants can survive through a one game wild card, or do you absolutely need them to win the National League West? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. I want you to weigh in on that. We'll get to what Gabe Kapler had to say. After the game yesterday, because he had a couple of great things to say about not only Tyler Rogers but Kevin Gosman as well. So we'll get to that next. But I want to know from you at 888-957-9570. Stephen Lightford in on the pregame show, 95.7.
0: 957- Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
0: Now back to the pre-game show on ninety-five seven. The game. Here's
2: Stephen Langford from the five-one-zero. Come on, Steve! Can't be leaving us on vacation, my guy. I'm all bottled up, full of emotions, man. St. Louis is hot, and no way do we want to face them in a one-game playoff. They got the season series. Giants are resilient. Let's go, baby! That's JP from the stack. Well, here's the thing, JP. I, I can't believe I'm, I've turned into that guy. I've I've turned into... Well, here's the thing. But here's the thing, JP. I didn't expect the Giants to be in this spot when I had booked this trip. <laughs> you know? I booked this trip uh, quite a few months ago. It's not like I just decided to up and leave last second. I think I... I, I can't even remember when I did. It might have been back in... Um, was it, was it December? Was it December, January, February? I don't even remember what it was, but it was in the early months before the season started. And I remember booking it and thinking, okay, I'm looking ahead. I, I don't know what it's going to be with the, I don't know what the game's going to be with the NFL schedule yet. I do know that I'm going to be around by the time the season started, but I had no idea that the Giants would be in this spot when I booked that vacation. <laughs> you know? I didn't think I'd be talking about that. I thought, I'd be way past even worrying what the Giants are doing because at this point, they're in fourth, maybe fifth. Fifth, maybe fourth. That's where I was at when I booked the trip. But now, I mean, you make a good point. It's just, you make a really good point here. That, look, this St. Louis team right now, they've won nine straight. I I, I don't know what to make of the Giants in a playoff game right now, in a one-game playoff. I need the National League West more than ever. That's been my takeaway, not only from this weekend and managing to catch up on some of those games. Um, That Brave series was crazy. That game on Friday night, when they took it all the way to the end with... You know, relying on yet another pinch hit home run, like I, I don't know if this is going to be sustainable through the playoffs. But they just continue to win games, and you know, for me, I really did not think they'd be here. I'm glad you texted that. Actually, can't be leaving us on vacation because well, I booked this thing before the season started, and I didn't think the Giants were going to be anywhere near where they're at right now. If you would have told me when I had booked the vacay for just a few days, not that long. But if you told me that when I'd booked it that the Giants would be in a game-by-game race with the Dodgers as the Giants remain in first first place and the Dodgers are the ones looking up, meanwhile, you're playing the Padres who are 76 and 74 who's hopes for a wild card have just diminished the entirety of the second half of the season. Well, I, you know, maybe I would have had second thoughts about booking the trip. <laughs> like that's what I that's my what my re- reaction would have been. But this game last night and what's been happening over the weekend and what they've been doing all season long is finding the different ways to win. It's it's never been Thematic. There's never been one common denominator. I guess the common denominator would be that the Giants put runs on the board. But it's the way that they've been putting runs on the board. It's the defense that they've been playing. But they're doing it with different guys every night. And Lamont Wade, you can make the case that as far as being a, a, a the hitter in the ninth inning, and coming through in the clutch moments, he has been their most consistent guy in the ninth inning when it comes to having runners on base and runners in scoring position. And you need a run, because Lamont Wade was obviously the one that hit in the, the, the game winner there to make it 6-5. But the way that the game ended with Tyler Rogers, it starts out with the error by Crawford, and then Tyler Rogers gives up the hit, but strikes out Fernando Tatis Jr. after getting him to a full count. And Manny Machado comes in and Manny Machado is the one who's been killing the Giants this uh, uh this whole game with the two home runs, two of the uh, the the hardest hit balls to left field at least back-to-back that I'd seen in a long time. You know, it's not the first time you've seen a guy hit, you know, two home runs in a game. But seeing them look damn near identical in the distance that they went and how hard they were hit, and on the same pitch, it, <laughs> I, I really, really, I thought that I was watching a replay when it happened. When he hit that solo home run, the second one, I thought I was watching a replay. I didn't think I was watching something live when he made it a three-one ball game. But it's what happened in the ninth inning that has a lot of people talking. And in that bottom of the ninth, when Machado is up to the plate and he hits a ground ball to Brandon Bo- Brandon Belt, Brandon Belt bobbles it, gets it to Brandon Crawford, then Brandon Crawford throws a strike to Tyler Rogers, the old 3-6-1 double play, but it was in scary fashion, to where, you know, if that play wasn't made, if Brandon Crawford doesn't throw a strike the way he did, if Tyler Rogers somehow doesn't get over to the base, then, you know, that would have put Rogers in a little more hot water, and Really, with the way that he was pitching, I would think that the Padres would have tied the game at that point. But here's what Gabe Kapler had to say regarding Tyler Rogers and the way that he's been viewed by a lot of the San Francisco Giants fans here. Here's what Gabe Kapler had to say after the game. I
0: know there's been quite a bit of chatter about, you know, Rod in the ninth inning. Is he better in the, in the eighth and the seventh inning? I just think tonight is a a really good indication that he can go through uh, the opposition's toughest hitters um, and get balls on the ground. And, you know, most of the time we're going to be able to convert those into outs. I think that play, uh, the first ground ball is a play crawl makes nine out of 10 times. And, but, you know, Raj just kept going back to it and and getting ground ball after ground ball. And Cronenworth drives that ball into the ground and, you know, pops it up. And and occasionally that's going to happen with, with Raj as well, because there's so much, so much contact, but he's so cool under pressure. Um, and, you know, he get, he, he, falls behind in the abat against Tatis, but he, he's able to come back and execute two pitches for strikes. Tatis gets one good swing on him, but then he runs the comebacker back on the plate for strike three. He's just really good at a big moment. And, um, I hope that, you know, over the course of time, you know, that trust level really begins to rise because internally our group, myself, our coaches, our, our players really, really trust Raj in, in the biggest moment. So, um, kind of expect him to go out there and do exactly what he did tonight. Cool that he was able to cover first base and that ball kind of caught him. It's thrown pretty well by Craw. Um and obviously Belt, you know, kept his composure and made it, it through a strike to Craw to to start the double play.
2: So he says that at the end there with Belt, the word composure, and he mentioned that with Tyler Rogers too. He's he's never he never lets the moment get to him. And if you had to ask me. You know what's the edge for the Giants in the playoffs? What's one? What's a reason why you think that the Giants would, you know, have some sort of advantage over the uh, over the opposing team? Because let's just say, you know, let's just say they do remain in the National League West and they go on to, you know, face the Dodgers. Say that that does happen. uh, If the Dodgers end up winning the wild card game and you know you're seeing the Giants face the Dodgers, if that happens. I think that the advantage that the Giants have over a lot of these uh, a, a lot of these teams, and it's not just with their bullpen, but it's their ability to remain calm during these big games. It, they could have very easily. There's been multiple games this year, where at least not even this year. I mean, there's multiple games these past two months, really, when they could have easily lost they could have easily gotten too nervous maybe made too many quick decisions weren't fundamentally sound let the moment get too big where it's just you're not even thinking out there you make a wrong play you uh you know you you get too jittery at the plate maybe you swing at the first pitch the Giants don't have a lot of those guys who are going to be letting those moments get too big for them. They're going to keep on playing with what's gotten them to where they're at right now, which is patience. And I think that's the advantage that the Giants have over a lot of these teams uh, that are going to be involved within the playoffs this year. It's that a lot of them are so even-keeled. I mean, let's look at the Padres, for example, right? 76-74 and 74 on the season. And prior to the two home run game that Manny Machado had uh, this past, uh, uh, this past, this past game, the the only scene that I saw over the weekend when I was trying to keep up with everything going on in sports, the only thing that I saw from the Padres was Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis getting into it and, and yelling at each other because... These this entire season they got a, a lot of guys who are very emotional they run hot and sometimes that's not always the best thing for a team, but the Giants they don't have a lot of those guys I mean, how important is it that Crawford somehow makes that error, you heard Gabe Kaplan there he said Crawford makes that play 9 times out of 10 but then he comes back and manages to throw a strike to get the double play to seal the game it's nonstop it's nonstop tyler rodgers getting that ground ball getting that double play remaining composed it, it, you know take away all, all of the stuff on paper take away the stats whatever you want to whatever you want to look at take away the analytics one thing that you can't compute is emotion and the giants they managed to stay even keeled to stay relatively unbothered by outside forces that are trying to have them lose this game. They remain unbothered. And it's it's every day this Giants team continues to do something that impresses not only me, but I think everybody. Everybody. And I've been trying every day to... to parse through it and figure out what it is about this team that's getting them to be so successful. And at this point, I've realized that the composure is what's been there. I've always talked about the hitting, talked about the bullpen, talked about the starting pitching when it was hot, talked about the defense when you know they were on that errorless streak that you hadn't seen in a while. But now it's just their composure is what's really sticking out to me in these games. That's what. That's what's doing it. Alright, five seven nine five seven zero. that's the text line and the phone number. I want to know from you, because I do have some 49ers thoughts, but these past couple of days, with you, I understand if you're up this early at 5.30 in the morning, I understand that you're most likely a huge 95.7 The Game fan, so you've been listening a lot of the day, whenever you can, whenever you're awake. But I want to know from you, what's been the overall consensus with the 49ers after that win over the Eagles to move on to 2-0. and What has been that that overarching theme of the 49ers discussion? Because last week it was, well, you know, the offense looked good, but also they were playing the line. so how serious can you take them? I don't know, that fourth quarter defense, is that something that we have to worry about? Well, that's... I have a feel that that conversation was put to bed after how the 49ers defense performed in the fourth quarter in this game. So, what is it this time? I want to know from you at 888 That's the text line and the phone number. Plus, we'll get into some other stuff that happened around the NFL. And also, the worst first pitch I think I've ever seen in my life. Actually, it might not top 50 cents, but we'll get to that next. Steven Langford in on the pregame show 957 the game.
0: back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's
2: Stephen Langford. A 957 9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But we are talking some football here and since i was not here on monday or tuesday i'm not gonna you know try and do the whole recap of the game and play post game sound from after the game from kyle shanahan i'm not planning on doing any of that because we are a couple of days removed but Mark Schlereth, who was on the call for that game on Sunday, along with uh, Adam Amin, I thought they did a. I thought they did a good job. I personally uh, really like. Uh, I really like Mark Schlereth on the broadcast. I think that he uh, that he sees things that a lot of people don't see, and he teaches you, some st- so you teaches you some stuff as well. You know, some of his opinions you may be able to disagree with, but when it comes to the actual plays on the field. I think he's fantastic. And he was on with Damon Ratto and Kolsky yesterday and he had a variety of things to say regarding Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. So we'll get to all the the, the football stuff in just a second. But uh whew, anyone see Connor McGregor throw out the <laughs> throw out the first pitch at Wrigley Field? I wish there was a a play by play call on it, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about the first pitch, but seeing seeing these people whom really, J Cole has a line. Let me let me just sidetrack here. J Cole has a line in in one of his uh, latest songs where, in that line, he said, "If you're broke making fun of the millionaire, then the joke's on you," right? And. and and he's basically saying that, look, all those loudmouths on Twitter, whoever's saying all that, ed- anything on social media, anyone who's, you know, making fun of these people who uh, have success in their life, then they're the ones who they're really making fun of because they're insecure. But when it comes to watching a guy like Conor McGregor or 50 Cent, or, off the top of my head, I think Car- Carly Ray Jepsen. <laughs> Carly Ray Jepsen had a terrible one, the singer. I'm looking at John Walls right now. There are a lot of bad first pitches that are being thrown, but there's something about these people who have success and seeing them fail at something which seems so simple. Yet uh, it's probably harder than you know we can imagine, and you know the, since it was the twenty year anniversary of nine eleven, and since every year uh, when whenever we're at the anniversary of nine eleven, they show that video of George Bush throwing out the first pitch uh, at the at the Yankee game, and. There's so much weight on the shoulders of George Bush in that moment. But on a random Tuesday night on the 21st of September, when Conor McGregor is out there in one of his tailored suits, it's not like he's wearing a. Cub shirt. It's not like he's, you know, because I'm looking at 50 cent right now. 50 cents got the Mets gear on. Carly Rae Jepsen has the Rays gear on. John Wall, back when he was playing over with the Wizards, he had his Nationals gear on. Normally, these guys are wearing the jersey along with some jeans, maybe some casual sneakers, whatever it is. But Conor McGregor's out there in a suit, <laughs> a full on suit, as if he's about to go to a pre-fight press conference. And then he just lets that thing fly, but it goes all the way to the halfway point between third base and home plate. I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what it is about these ceremonial first pitches when they're thrown, but anytime one of these popular, successful people end up failing at that, it's something where we all just can point and laugh for a second. And I love that. I, I do love it. And Conor McGregor, I I think he's a good sport about it. He knows that he, he he doesn't know a thing about baseball. I mean, it's it's Conor McGregor. Maybe he does, but he doesn't strike me as much of a baseball fan. I don't know if I don't know if Conor McGregor is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's breaking down the National League Wild Card race and wondering what's happening with his beloved National League Central, where his Cubs play. <laughs> and are wondering what's happening with the Cardinals right now and what's going on to see if they can get a wild-card spot. Conor McGregor doesn't strike me as that sort of dude, but uh, that first pitch that he had, if you haven't seen it yet, its uh, its it's quite the sight, quite the visual. All right, let's transition. That's that's how we do it. We just say, yeah, let's transition. We transition. From the 707, to me, this 49ers team is a direct reflection of its quarterback. All they have done is win, yet each week the fans are dissatisfied that the win wasn't flashy or pretty enough. From the 510, Kittle needs to touch the ball more. From the 408, it seems like Kyle wants to play conservative and not take a lot of shots downfield. Then also, where was it here? From... The 510 again, Kittle needs to touch the ball more. And then from the 650, you got how about them Raiders. So <laughs> I asked the question to the text line and asked to you at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Not what I've missed, but I would like to know what has been the talking point of this game. Because a win is never a win. And 49ers fans, if you're thinking 49er fans, if you're thinking that you're the only fan base who dissects every week, every win like this, for example, from the 707, when you say each week the fans are dissatisfied, dissatisfied that the win wasn't flashy or pretty enough, I think you echo a lot of what high expectation fans are thinking. You know, whichever whichever team it is, if you're, you know, unless you're the the Buccaneers fans who just saw their team put up 48, get a big win in week one on Thursday night night against the Cowboys. You're probably feeling okay going into this week and it's nothing but just uh, positivity, positivity, blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing for me. Here's the thing. For the 49ers and what I saw in this game, I saw just another win that was in such typical... 49er fashion, which was the defense continued to give them chances. The offensive line wasn't as good as it could possibly be. Uh, You know, Daniel Brunskill was having a ton of problems at right guard in this game and you could just tell. It wasn't even you, you know, you don't even have to go back and watch the all 22. You don't have to go back and watch the tape so to speak and you know really when people are watching tape that most likely means they're watching YouTube so it's not like they're grabbing tape from some source from the NFL and putting it a video player putting it up on the projector screen and using a remote clicker like you're in hard knocks. No, it's not like that. They're most likely on their laptop in their living room sitting back munching on some bugles. But when I'm looked back, you don't have to watch the tape to know that Brunskill was having some problems. And when you have those problems up the middle, when they're getting internal pressure on you, outside pressure, you know, you can deal with you can scheme around that. But inside pressure, you can't really plan for that. And the Eagles are going to give them that inside pressure because if anything if anything's the strength of that team, it is the front four there. It's that defensive line because they got a lot of good players there. And quite frankly, you know, if Derek Barnett doesn't make that stupid personal foul on Jermichael Hasty toward the end of the game, maybe the outcome is a little different. But they were just getting it done with the defense and the offense was taking time off the clock while keeping the defense, the Eagles defense, that is, on the field and making them tired. That's what I've seen from the 49ers in 2019 to let, get, to get them to win ball games. And I think it's what works. That's why they say defense wins championships. Look, I thought that the, I, I'm not gonna make any snap judgments in week two. And uh, George Kittle was a lot of the talk because George Kittle only had four targets and he had the four receptions for 17 yards. And everyone's trying to speculate about, you know, whether he's got a low key injury or whatever it is. But honestly, when it comes to George Kittle and him playing on the field with an injury. There's nothing that that guy can't do. I think he had a I think he had a bone chip in his ankle back in 2019 and I remember thinking, "Wow, George Kittle's playing a bone playing with a bone chip in his ankle. There's no way that he's going to be the George Kittle that he normally is." But he ended up having a huge game. And I think he let off that game with a, with like a 65-yard touchdown reception. <laughs> you know? So, with this one, with the way that the 49ers played, I think you should look at it, and I, I don't want to tell you how to be a fan. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, I don't want to be the, hey, this is how you should think. But, Me personally, if I'm a 49er fan coming out of that one, I'm just thinking we got away with that Week 2 win. We don't really know what the identity of a team is until maybe Week 5, Week 6 into the season. But if you get these out of the way in the first few weeks, if you you continue just to stack wins, then who cares how you got them? Because the team right now, however it's looking, it's not going to look the same toward the end of the season. It, we're we're just going to look back on this and think it's another win. You know, if it's a common theme that they don't get the ball to George Kittle by the time it's I don't know week 14, week 15, then that can be a problem I think that we should we should talk about, but it's been 2 weeks. You know, it's been 2 weeks. I think Brandon Ayuk, I actually think that conversation has some legs now. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't I thought he was going to get a little more run in week 2. That's why I created a segment called the Doghouse. That's coming back tomorrow because all I'd heard was doghouse, doghouse, doghouse. I used shitterheads, doghouse, and I just didn't really, I didn't really buy into that. I didn't subscribe to that. But in this game, the lack of. Snaps the lack of targets. Uh, there, they and, and Grant Cohn did a good uh, a good video on this yesterday on Twitter. But you know, Ayuk's getting open. It just so happens that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't throwing him the ball. So maybe there's that as well. But a lot of things were talked about in this in this game that I just don't think are going to permeate throughout the season. But um, you know that if there's any going to be any test after this after this year during this year rather if there's going to be any test to the theory that any running back can go into Kyle Shanahan's system that you could just insert any running back and they're going to have a good game. Well, that's clearly going to be put to the test uh, after what happened with Trey Sermon on his first NFL carry, which was just terrible. And then you had Jermichael Hasty with the injury and Elijah Mitchell as well. And it forces them to bring in a ton of guys who, you know... Once you bring in a, a running back from the Texans, like, since Arian Foster, it feels like the Texans have just been... A facility for running backs who were on the fringe of being good players but never really broke through so now they end up on the Houston Texans and that's what happens with you know Duke Johnson and then Lamar Miller and those are the types of guys they were working out so this is really going to be put to the test but overall in this week two game I'm not going to make too much of it on how it's going to go for the future and it's going to be the same in week three you know, are the Packers a good team? I don't know. They beat that. They beat a Lions team on Sunday night. Uh, that you know, or excuse me, on Monday night rather. On Monday night, the Chiefs and Ravens was on Sunday night, and that was a fantastic game. But they beat the Lions on Monday night football when Aaron Rodgers has always performed well. Yet they crapped the bed against the Saints in Week One, and then the Saints didn't look the same in Week Two. It's there's just so much it's just there's too much uncertainty for the rest of the season to make, to make some sort of you know prediction on how this team how this team is playing. From the 707 you're absolutely right. The A gap and the B gap were closed all game for the 49ers run game and I thought Mark Slareth was doing a great job of breaking it down where he's saying you Kyle Shanahan is just basically making the run game bounce to the outside with tosses and pitches and sweeps, and then also just getting the balls out to the wide receivers with screens and doing it in different ways like that because, really, the offensive line wasn't giving Garoppolo uh, enough time to go. And Garoppolo didn't look good uh, in the beginning of this game. Didn't look good by a long shot. I mean, overall, he was 22 for 30 with 189 yards and a touchdown and and, and with no picks, and he had a 100.6 rating. But there are a couple of throws that Garoppolo should have made, but that also happens with every quarterback. It does happen with every quarterback. And speaking of which... Jimmy Garoppolo, he was on, and speaking of the 49ers and the, the Packers, he was on the Rich Eisen show, and Rich Eisen asked if he should, if he would reach out to Rodgers just in case he needs some sort of advice on how to handle this offseason. Here's what Jimmy Garoppolo had to say on the Rich Eisen show.
0: I know Aaron pretty well. Uh, we've talked a couple times, you know, on the field, off the field, and I uh... You know, whatever little piece of advice he could give to me, uh, obviously it's worked out pretty well for him. The guy's been balling, had four TDs the other night or last night. So, you know, this, a, this league's a crazy thing, and we all got our own story, and it's got to make the best of your situation.
2: And I don't know what kind of advice Rogers can give other than you'd have to stay patient because with what Rogers went through compared to what Garoppolo is going through, yeah. You know, it's the same it's the same sort of situation when you got, you know, a rookie quarterback and they drafted one in the first round and in Jordan Love and it seems like your your job is on the line, but also Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have 10 plus years of frustration when it comes to decisions being made within the team and within the roster without even, you know, consulting you about it. Like that's when I saw that yesterday I was just thinking, okay, he's going to reach out to Rodgers for a little advice but somehow that's the top headline, you know, on NFL.com. When it's just Garoppolo saying, "Yeah, you know, I'd reach out to him, maybe talk to him a little bit." Because me and Rogers are, you know, we're 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 pretty close. We know each other from, uh, you know, from a time or two. Maybe we hung out at the Kentucky Derby, or, and I gave him some advice on how to hit on women. I don't know. Maybe that's what Garoppolo is. Maybe that was what him and Garoppolo have talked about before. But they aren't exactly in the same situation. Look. Should Trey Lance be the the starting quarterback at some point? I don't know. I think all those questions can remain unanswered for right now. But one thing is for certain, and you're right on this one, 415. From the 415, Bosa's going to eat. I smell grilled cheese on Sunday. And I will say this. Bosa, in these past two games, I think you can safely assume that He's back. He has looked great and it's not the first half that you need to pay attention to with a defensive lineman. This is what makes all of those big guys just so the top paid the uh, pass rushers. This is what makes them all so deadly. It's not just instantly coming into the game and, you know, getting 3 sacks in the first half. It's not that. It's when your defense needs a stop in the fourth quarter and you need to get some sort of negative yardage on a play, whether it's getting into the backfield on a run play or getting to the quarterback. Nick Bosa, has his motor is back. Because what he was doing in the fourth quarter... When that Eagles offense was on the field, when he's fresh, and the 49ers were just running the clock out uh, with the with the short to intermediate game, Bosa was able to come through and get a sack when you needed it most on third down. Like that was my main takeaway from this one. Josh Norman, I don't know what to make of Josh Norman. I thought he 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 looked pretty good. You know, he, he looked okay, but also. You're facing an Eagles team which doesn't have as many weapons as, say, the teams like the the Packers. Who really, you know, since you're playing the Lions in Week One and the Eagles in Week Two, now you're facing the team with easily the toughest weapons on offense. You're easily you're you're facing that. But also, you're facing a team without their left tackle and uh, and and David Bakhtiari, so the pass rush can get to him. I thought Josh Norman looked okay. I thought Lenore made a couple made a couple of nice plays. But how much can you really dissect from this uh, from this game against the Eagles? And you know, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts is an interesting one. I kind of like him. You know, I kind of like Jalen Hurts. He, he 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 was not very accurate with the football. He didn't always have a lot of time, but it feels like he's a smart runner. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to be a you know a tier one or a tier two quarterback, but I know he could be right there and he could be a starter in this league for a very long time. I kind of like Jalen Hurts uh, actually. From the five one zero, Max Crosby, Max Crosby is turning into one of those guys too. <laughs> That's a, that was an impression I had over the weekend as well from that Sunday game with the Raiders and the Steelers. And that pass rush looks good. It looks very good, and the addition with Casey Hayward. I mean, all that money that they paid to Lamarcus Joyner, it feels like it was a total waste. Then you get this veteran in Hayward who, you know, had been hurt a little bit and he comes back and now he's the top graded cornerback according to Pro Football Focus as of right now. It seems like their Achilles heel, the Raiders, that is, is just. Bringing in Damon Arnett for a snap or two, and immediately the offense just goes after him and tries to tries to get him beat either with a deep shot or with a penalty or something like that, or something like that. I think. Look, I think the 49ers right now they're two and zero. It's a big game that's coming up this next week, but I don't really. I, I never can tell with the team how much you can draw from this early part of the season. It's the same with the Raiders too. Now I've seen the Raiders get off to hot starts, but it's not always how you start, it's how you finish. How are they gonna do in the back half of the season when you know you're done with the bye week and you're in the double digits of the season, you're in week twelve, week thirteen, and you still need to go on the road and, and show out. Can they do that? That win at Heinz Field was very impressive. It was. And you know, Carr looked great, but also T.J. Watt got hurt early on in the game. T.J. Watt could have changed the whole complexion of it with what I was talking about, like with Bosa, a possible sack in the third or fourth quarter to give their offense a chance. Yeah, there certain things that happen in these games that make you think it could have been a little different, but they both came away 2-0 from the season, and I couldn't believe it. But another thing that I couldn't believe uh, from this past night <laughs> was the Giants and their win over the Padres 98-53 and on the season they get the 6-5 to win Lamont Wade Jr. continues to be uh, the most clutch hitter that they have in the ninth inning maybe besides Brandon Crawford because Brandon Crawford just comes through really throughout the entirety of the game Tyler Rogers continues to make things interesting while Jake McGee is on the IL <laughs> this team Man, when they're into the playoffs, if you are the type of fan that lives and dies by every single game, and you start to have heart palpitations, <laughs> I mean, I, I I I don't know how you're going to survive through the playoffs with this team because it feels like these are the types of games that you're going to be getting throughout the postseason if the Giants uh, end up making a stretch run there um, later on this past these next eleven games to see if they can actually make.